our actions as leaders are like dropping a pebble into a perfectly still pond. We send out ripples of impact that not only do they touch everyone in our team and organization, but they actually reach way beyond the organizational boundaries. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ben Morton Leadership Podcast. It's the weekly show that brings you inspiring interviews with MDs, CEOs and global thought leaders, all designed to help you be the very best leader that you can possibly be. It's my gift to you and it's completely free. This week, I have another solo episode for you, which is a very timely one. And I'm going to be talking about how to finish the year strong. If you're listening to this live in the week that it goes out, you've got round about 21 days, assuming you work five days a week and you're going to finish up on the 22nd of December. That's not much time at all. And I want you to be able to finish this year strong. With my definition of finishing strong being about having achieved all of your highest priority tasks, your main efforts, as I like to call them, and get into the Christmas break with enough energy and being healthy so that you can enjoy your time off with your friends, loved ones, family, or whatever it is you're going to do over the Christmas break. Every year, I talk about the fact that so many of us run at full gas, going at full pelt into the Christmas break, running on adrenaline, trying to get everything done, burning the candle at both ends in terms of work and socialising and Christmas parties. And then as soon as we stop, all that adrenaline that's been keeping us going suddenly dissipates and our immune system goes, oh, it's done, I can rest now. And then we get sick because we've got nothing left in the tank. Now, in my humble opinion, that's a bad choice for us, but that remains our choice. What's worse is when we drive our team at full pelt into the Christmas break and effectively we're responsible or at least partly responsible for them suddenly getting sick as soon as they stop. Now, the reason all of this happens is we have this false or illogical belief that somehow we ought to be able to get everything done. We should be able to cross everything off of that never-ending to-do list. Like if this is interesting you and you want to understand this concept more, I highly, highly recommend reading the book 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman which I've just read and is one of the best books I've read in a long, long time. I'll pop a link to the book in the show notes for you. But in that book, Oliver Berkman talks about what he calls the paradox of limitation, which basically is this concept that the more we try to manage our time with the goal of achieving a feeling of total control and, and freedom, from the inevitable constraints of being human, actually the more stressful, empty and frustrating life gets. But if we confront the fact that we have a limited time on this planet we call home, and for the average person in the Western world, that equates to around about 4,000 weeks, hence the title of his book. But if we can embrace that 
sense of finitude, then stuff starts to, to shift for us. And what this means in practical terms is that if we embrace this mindset that there is only a limited amount of things that we can ever do and achieve, it means we start to organize our days with the understanding that we definitely won't have time for everything that we want to do or that other people want us to do. And so if nothing else, we can at least stop beating ourselves up for failing and having not have gotten everything done. So it really is about making some choices about which balls we're very intentionally going to drop or at least which balls we're going to put down. Like it might be the case that we can't absolutely crush it, to use a rather um, American phrase, at work and be the parent, husband, wife or partner that we want to be. It might be that if we are doing the job that we are doing, we may never have the time to have the perfectly immaculate, tidy home that we aspire to or think we should have. So it's about deciding what we're going to prioritise and what we're going to deprioritise based on this knowledge that there is only a finite amount of time that we each have on this planet. So that's the backdrop to today's episode, folks. And to help make this really practical for you, I've got a series of tips, 10 tips, in fact, all designed to help you finish this year strong, according to my definition of finishing the year strong. And what I've done is based those tips around what has been one of the most formative and useful leadership models that has stood the test of time for me. And that's John Adair's functional approach to leadership. You might know it as the three circles or the task, team and individual model. So let's dive straight in with some tips around the task element of Adair's model. And the first idea I've got for you is one of ruthless prioritization. There is some research conducted by Gallup that is referenced in the book, The Four Disciplines of Execution. And they looked at the number of tasks in addition to business as usual that an organization or individual to that matter can deliver with excellence. So if we take on between three and five big tasks or projects in addition to BAU, the likelihood is that we can deliver those three to five at a very high standard with excellence as they describe it in the research. If we start looking at six to 10 projects in addition to BAU, the number that we can deliver with excellence drops to around one and two. When we go beyond 10, in the research it talks about 11 to 20 tasks in addition to business as usual, which let's face it, isn't uncommon for many teams and organization. The number that we can deliver with excellence drops to a big fat zero. So I encourage you to do some ruthless prioritization. Think about what you can kick into the new year. It's not defeatist. It's about delivering your highest priorities with excellence, doing work that you, your team, your business can be proud of. So what are the tasks that you can put on a future to-do list or ideas log? And if some of these tasks are really important, then schedule them into your diary or the organization's diary. Stephen Covey put this brilliantly when he said, the goal is not to prioritize what's on your schedule, but to schedule your priority, priorities. Sorry. 
This really speaks to the old adage of what gets scheduled gets done. And our diary really is one of the most powerful yet the most underutilized tools we have in order to be as effective as we possibly can be. So tip one is to do some ruthless prioritization. Tip number two is to have some courage and compassion when you're thinking about some of the difficult conversations you might need to have. You really need to give this some important and careful consideration. On the one hand, if there is a difficult conversation that needs to be had, maybe one that you are avoiding, it may be that you don't want to go into Christmas, into the Christmas break, with that hanging over you because you'll be worrying about it, spending some precious mental headspace thinking about this difficult conversation that you've got to have when you get back to work after the Christmas break. It will use up some of your attention. It's something called attention residue. So it may be that you want to have that before the break because maybe you don't want the person you need to have the conversation with stressing about it over the Christmas break as well. But there's a flip side, which is why I say this needs some careful consideration because we may also, in fact, scrap that. There's not we may also. We also must really think about our values and behaving with real ethics and morals here because those difficult conversations might have a significant impact on other people potentially if it's about their future job or position in the organization what we don't want to do is ruin somebody's christmas so there's a balancing act does it need to be had now because that's going to save you and the other person angst or actually is it one where it is better to wait until the new year So have some courage and compassion around any difficult conversations that you might need to have. My third point to share with you is to schedule, back to scheduling, to schedule some time for reflection and planning. As leaders, we are paid to think, yet we so easily get stuck into execution and doing mode. And when we do that, we don't have the headspace or the time to look outside of the team or organization and notice how some of the political, economic, technological or social changes may be affecting our organization. And that is what we are paid to do as leaders. Perhaps more practical than that, the more practical cost of always being head down in doing an execution mode as leaders is that we end up constantly fighting one fire after another. If you think about the classic Eisenhower or priority matrix here, when we're in firefighting mode all the time, we're in execution mode all the time, we're operating in quadrant one of that priority matrix, which is the urgent and important stuff. And quadrant one, the urgent and important always acts on us, causing us to be very reactive. And that means we're not acting on quadrant two, which is the important but not urgent stuff. And to be effective as leaders, we must be operating in quadrant two, working on the important but not urgent stuff. Because when we're there, when we're in quadrant two, we can be scanning the horizon planning ahead, thinking about what's coming up in two months time that either we or our team need to be thinking about. Okay. So it is critically important for us as leaders to carve out time to stop, to pause, to think 
and to plan ahead. This is how we get off of the, the busyness hamster wheel and start to take back control of our diaries and start to help our team to be more effective. I saw a great quote recently, which I'll share here and just leave you to think about, which is the fact that a leader's poor planning should never become the problem of those that they lead. Interesting one to reflect on. So there you have three things to consider around the task element of John Adair's model. Let's now look at the team function. The fourth tip I have for you then is to think about the ripple effect. Every single thing that we do as leaders will have an impact on our team. Sometimes it affects them directly. Sometimes it affects them indirectly. So everything that I've just shared under the task heading and everything I'm about to share under the individual heading will impact your team. Now, this isn't a non-point just created to ensure that I've got three points under each topic and four individual to give you a nice round 10 tips to take away, right? This is a key, key point. Our actions as leaders are like dropping a pebble into a perfectly still pond. We send out ripples of impact that not only do they touch everyone in our team and organization, but they actually reach way beyond the organizational boundaries. What we do, how we act, how we behave, what we say as a leader doesn't just affect those that we lead Monday to Friday, nine to five. Our actions have an impact on how they are when they go home and that has an impact on their loved ones. So we really are creating a large ripple effect. The next point to share with you, point five, is what I call the appreciation factor. Now, there's a difference between appreciation and recognition. Recognition is some sort of praise or reward that is directly linked to what people deliver. Appreciation, on the other hand, is more about people feeling valued for who they are, not just what they do. And the research here suggests that when people feel appreciated by their leader or manager, then their productivity increases by around about 47%, which is huge. I'm pretty sure that you would love to get a 47% increase in productivity from those that you lead. One of the best ways we can do this, especially at this time of year, is by sending handwritten, carefully considered, thoughtful thank you cards, letters or Christmas cards, tailored and individualized to each person in our team. It turns out that the old adage of it's the thought that counts isn't really true. It's really about the effort that counts and the fact that we've taken the time to get a nice card, to think carefully about what to write and to either hand deliver it or find out the home address of the people in our team and send it, that demonstrates effort. And if you send these really well-considered, thoughtful Christmas cards to your team at this time of year, I guarantee you that they will hang on to those cards and at some stage in the future, maybe 10 years from now, they'll be sitting on a leadership program talking about how much they love the boss that sent that card and how they've still got it. And I can promise you that that's true because I see it and hear those stories in every single leadership program that I run. So tip five is the appreciation factor. Hey, quick one for you. 
I want to make sure that you know about my 10 for 10 leadership program. It's an online program that's totally free. It's bite-sized and it covers some of the most common leadership topics and challenges that I frequently get asked about. It's also a course that gets consistently great feedback. You can find out more by heading to the online courses page of my website at ben-morton.com. The next tip, tip six, is about being the adaptive leader. Now, to put a seasonal twist on the quote, we're all in the same boat, let me say that we are not all in the same sleigh. Christmas means different things to different people, right? If you're a parent, especially of young children, actually, it can be a pretty stressful time, largely because of all of the school events that we need to attend, the nativity plays and countless last minute requests from schools to bring in this or do that. So it can be quite a stressful time. For some, it can be a sad time if you've recently lost friends or family. Uh, That's certainly the case for me this year and indeed last year as well. For some, Christmas can be a source of of great anxiety, the thought of being with extended family where there's tensions for a period of time over Christmas can really make people stressed and anxious. And particularly as you get close to Christmas, that will manifest in work and you'll start to, to see that. You might not know why or what's going on, but you'll see that manifesting through how they behave, act and talk at work. And then, of course, there's those that might be suffering with addiction. They can find the Christmas party season really challenging. So ultimately, my point here around the adaptive leader is twofold, I think. Firstly, it's about really knowing your people. This is something that was drummed into me again and again during my time at the Royal Military Academy Sandhurst when I was trained to be a leader in the British Army. Just really know your people. And then the second point here is please remember that a a one-size-fits-all approach rarely fits anybody. It really is about adapting and flexing our style and understanding that people have different needs and there's different things going on for them. And especially Christmas means different things to different people. So there we have your three points around the team. We've covered three on the task. So now let's look at the final part of John Adair's model, which is the individual. And remember, for the purposes of this podcast and helping you to finish the year strong, I'm talking about you as the individual. This really is the airplane gas mask analogy about putting your own oxygen mask on first. If you want to be able to support, look after and effectively lead those you've got the privilege and responsibility to lead, you need to look after yourself. You need to secure your own mask first. Now, as a leader, as a human, your health, our health really is the tectonic plate that everything else rests upon. That's a phrase I borrowed from Stephen Bartlett there. But this is key as leaders because our state, our mood, our energy level affects those that we lead. It's linked to this ripple effect that I spoke about earlier. And in terms of our mood and emotions, this happens. It's something called emotional contagion. And more significantly than that, perhaps, We also know that stress is physically contagious. 
if you are sitting close to someone in your team, someone in your organization, and you are highly stressed with heaps and heaps of cortisol pumping through your body, they will pick up on it and start to generate cortisol as well. So it's critically important, not just for us, but for those that we lead to look after our own health and well-being so that we can get the highest priority tasks ticked off our list before we hit the Christmas break. And as I said at the start, have the energy, the health to enjoy the break. So no surprise, the final four tips I'm going to talk to you about. Tip number seven is to really think about your sleep. I've done a lot of research on sleep over the years as someone who has wrestled with getting quality sleep on and off. And the research on sleep is now really, really clear. The vast majority of adults, 97% of adults, in fact, need between seven and a half to eight hours sleep a night to operate at our optimum level. The reason it's seven and a half to eight hours sleep is we need five complete sleep cycles and a sleep cycle is around about 90 minutes. Now, what happens when we miss a little bit of sleep? One fascinating research study that I looked at said missing three to four hours sleep off of the seven and a half to eight hours sleep a night has the same impact on our cognitive ability the next day as downing six cans of average strength lager just before we start work. Now, this is interesting, right, when we think about Christmas and party season, because potentially we might have done both or the equivalent to six cans if you're drinking wine or cocktails or whatever. But this is also about being kind to us and thinking about sleep in the entire run up to Christmas, right? If there is the occasional night where you are seriously lacking in sleep, that's literally not going to kill you. You're not going to lose your job because of it. But where you can, make sure that you don't run into Christmas being massively sleep deprived. Just think about finding those opportunities to get sufficient rest and recovery in the run up to Christmas instead of simply burning the candle at both ends. Because if you don't, history will repeat itself and you'll suddenly get sick when you do stop. Tip number eight is to focus on nutrition and diet. Again, for many people, this time of year, healthy eating and good food choices can go out of the window because temptation is all around us. Again, simple tip here, just try and make a few more healthy choices. If you know you're going to be going to functions or parties where you might not get the healthiest food choices, then make sure to eat better, eat healthier for breakfast or lunch that day. If it's the Christmas party coming up tonight, then make sure you have a good nutrient-rich lunch instead of having two bad meals in a day. So focus on nutrients rather than calories is a good tip. And a good rule of thumb, I find, having worked with several nutritionists, is to eat more food where you can recognize the food in its raw state, right? You can tell a nut is a nut, but you don't know idea what goes into a Mars bar, right? Number nine is exercise. Keep exercising, keep getting fresh air, which is especially important this time of year when we find ourselves inside more, where air conditioning is pumping recycled CO2 and oxygen around the buildings. We're much more susceptible to getting coughs, colds and, and the flu. So keep exercising, keep getting some fresh air and perhaps go with one of my mantras, which is 
The times when I don't think I have the time to exercise are the times I need to exercise the most. And it's not about being an Olympian or about being sort of a triathlete or an iron manner. Um, in terms of mental health, again, the research suggests that exercising for around 45 minutes, three to five times a week, is the optimal amount of exercise to maintain good mental health. So that could just be, to be clear, three bursts of 45-minute exercise in a week, and that could be a brisk walk. That's all it needs, and that will help you get to Christmas in a great state. And the final tip, tip number 10, which is something that is becoming more and more important to me, is around looking after our mental health and staying connected. I think it's really, really important that we do prioritise and focus on our own mental health and pay attention to the mental health of those around us. It's about staying connected to other people and really building that support network, both within work and socially, that we can turn to for support and use when things are hard, when we're struggling, and when we need some support from other people. So pay attention to it. Check in with yourself and check in with your team and friends from time to time to check how they are. Because if not, we hurtle towards Christmas, burning the candle rapidly at both ends. And then we come down with a big bang when we finally stop. So there you have it, folks. That is my final solo episode of the podcast for 2023. I really hope it's been of value for you and I've enjoyed being of service to you this year. Please take some of these tips, apply them, look after yourself, look after those you've got the privilege and responsibility to lead. And as always, folks, until next time, lead on. Lead on.